Humans of Adventism started just a few years ago, but its effects have been far-reaching and profound, especially amongst Adventists who find themselves in the millennial or the Gen Z generations. Humans of Adventism is all about stories, people sharing their stories, good or bad, the stories that have happy endings, the stories that don't end well, or the stories that are still ongoing. In October of last year, Josh and I interviewed Caleb Isley, the founder of Humans of Adventism, for the very first time, and this episode, we get to talk to him again. Lots has changed since we last talked to Caleb. He quit his job, moved halfway across the country to the West Coast, which, as you'll hear in the interview, he'd never actually seen before he took the job. And he is now doing Humans of Adventism and other social media-based ministries full-time. So, without any further ado, let's get into this conversation. I hope you really enjoy it. We did. Here's Caleb Isley. All right, Caleb Isley, welcome back to Burn the Haystack. It's good to have you back, man. Thank you. Good to be here. Oh, if uh, anybody hasn't uh, heard Caleb's voice before on this podcast, go back <laughs> to episode 34. We we talked to Caleb for the very first time. But since then, uh, so much has changed in your life, man. I remember when we talked, you were still working at a, um, a job that had nothing to do with humans of Adventism. You were kind of doing this thing on the side. Um, what, what's changed since last time we talked to you? Because it's a lot. So I re- I'm really interested to get into that. Yeah, yeah. Short version is my job now is exactly what I was doing with humans of Adventism. Um, I, I was approached by the Oregon Conference here um, and basically, instead of trying to push me into a social media position or something related to that, uh, they offered to contract with me to do the exact thing that I was doing. So you can't ask for a more specifically better job for me. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, so it, it's the dream. You know, it's it's not like it, everything is, is perfect, but you know, as far as how I spend my time and what I get to do every day. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, really worked out. Um, I had never seen the West coast at all in my life until I came out like, like ever. Yeah. Ever. It's, it's 40 hour drive from where I lived. Um, wow. So yeah, I'd never seen California, never seen Washington or Oregon, nothing like that. And so I actually saw it for the first time the same week that I did my interview. So I yeah, that's came out, so cool. did my interview here and um, got the job. And, and really it was like, I just see it for the first time. I get offered the position and then it's like, all right, you're moving sometime all the way out here. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, I mean, what's I, that? Guess I, I guess I can relate. I've never seen the West coast of Australia. I've kind of just realized now. Mm. Have you never? No, well, what's there to That's see insane. there, to be honest? Like, oh, being real, okay. No, <laughs> no I mean, no. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a long way away. So I get it. I get it, Caleb. All right, anyway, no. continue. I, That's yeah. fine, because I, I, I kind of take for granted that I've seen the West Coast because I have family there, so I used to go there all the time. But I guess if you don't have anything to bring you there apart from a holiday, why would you go? And America's even bigger than Australia, so I definitely can understand that. Yeah, 
yeah it's mm. and and it's different besides just being far away it's different in almost every way um i mean you i've only lived in very like conservative dominated places um the yes. west coast is definitely more liberal uh the weather is different there's a lot of bugs in the south and like very high temperatures and here it's just like it's been very even and i can even tor- turn my porch light on and there's just nothing like no mosquito did you live in the wow. south did you live in the south most of most or all of your life until this point i lived let's see we lived there for seven years we moved there the week after we got married so i lived in indiana wow. most of my life and that's up kind of in the midwest by andrews university um yeah about 12 yeah. hours north of of south carolina home to pawnee the greatest city in america <laughs> yes it, it does look like it does look like parks and rec really <laughs> more cornfields but yeah so is that considered midwest is that what that is labeled as yeah yeah depending on who you ask some people think more toward like nebraska and kansas and stuff and that would be the, the actual middle you know but yeah Indiana is an interesting place because it's um, it's kind of this, it's called the crossroads of America. It's like the state motto. And it's where mm. all of these different interstate highways come through Indiana, um, just all over the whole like middle of the state. And so it's like you pass through it on the way to everywhere. Uh, yeah, I can see that now. Indianapolis, there's like, you can go out to Illinois, Kentucky. Yep. Ohio, Michigan. That's insane. Yep. But uh, really, I mean, not a lot to do there unless you have money. You know, it's like yeah. golf courses and <laughs> shopping malls. and uh, So you've, you've lived in the conservative, sort of more rural mm-hmm. part of America, mm-hmm. either the South or, you know, Indiana. Yep. And now you're in Liberalville. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, How are you coping, man? How are you coping? Well, see, I mean, it's it's a relief for me. <laughs> you know, it's, like, <laughs> it's like I've been in these places where you know I'm a, I'm a guy working in technology. I'm a person who's, I mean, pretty socially and politically liberal, and I guess religiously liberal, depending on how you define that. But I've always kind of been pushing, you know, different ideas and just trying to. I don't know, have these conversations with people. And, and I've very much been in the minority, you know, with how I think. <laughs> and so coming out here, it's like I'm commonplace, you know, it's which is refreshing for me in some ways. I guess I knew that there were other people that thought this way, but within my religious space, I didn't see a lot of it. And then I'm coming out here and seeing, you know, that I'm I'm a little more common then I think I just have never been in the areas where other people thought this way. <laughs> I, w- I would say even just seeing other Adventists my age, um, there are a lot out here. Uh, for reference, we had within an hour, we probably had two Adventist churches Wow. Um, back home. And here there are 40. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> um, there's a, and like I believe, Alina is doing, there's a, an area here for people who aren't families, who are post-college, um, 
So it's just really exciting to see kind of a thriving area, you know, of younger Adventists, I guess. Yeah. Oregon almost seems to be like an Adventist young adult oasis in a way, because obviously like, yeah. we, we talk with Alina and Martin, we talk with um, uh, Benjamin and, it seems like what's going on out there is not really happening almost anywhere else within Adventism. For those outside of that bubble, would you just be able to describe a little bit more about what that looks like? Because I'm actually really interested in... It's almost like Oregon has become like a beta test for a bigger thing. Yeah. You have a lot of things that are working. Um, one is structural. So you actually have... Uh, funds allocated to, you know, our age group. You have funds allocated to things like what I'm doing, um, things like what Justin Koo is doing, where we're actually starting to develop what a relationship working uh, with the conference looks like that isn't like what we've had before. But I think one of the strongest things is that you have a lot of churches close together that have strong areas and communities with our that have done really well with our age group so um at camp meeting a different church provided the band each night for the the young adults i mean there was enough people in the area where it really was a, a bunch of different communities coming together um so you've got it from the local church all the way up yeah i mean honestly just hearing that music thing as like a church musician the idea of having multiple bands each night blows my mind considering how hard we have to work just to have one, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've never seen it personally working. You know, this is, like I said, the first time that I've seen this, it was in, I think, March or April. And so it's very new to me. We've I've come from a place where I'm sitting on board meetings and things like that, just pushing, pushing, trying to make something work. Um, and then I come here and it, I see it already in progress and I can join in. Mm. Um, so it's really an exciting time for me. I'm, I'm still very much in the process of kind of determining why I think it works. Um, but I do think that there's an openness that I haven't seen where, you know, that people, leaders are starting with an interest and they're starting by actually wanting to know, you know, a little more about the, the people that they can involve and, and new ideas and things like that. And then they're willing to back it. So Oregon Con- Conference approaches you and they say they want to work with you. What are they What are they telling you? What are they saying they want to do with you that led you to where you are now? Yeah, I actually turned them down um, about a month <laughs> About a month after I interviewed with you guys, uh, they approached me and they're like, hey, we're trying to figure out a good, healthy way for us to to work with you and to combine our efforts where we don't want to come in and say we own Humans of Adventism, but we do want to figure out a way where we can work together, where you could do that idea for us. Um, the just where I was at the time, I looked at what they had to offer and I looked at how much it would cost to move to Portland uh, and, and to live here. Mm. And I, I just, I didn't see a way to do it. So turned them down and um, I ended up quitting my job 
I, I told you guys a little bit about this, uh, kind of the job that I did when I started Humans of Adventism. I quit that job at the end of the year and had another job all lined up. That fell through. And when that job fell through, I called the Oregon Conference back. I said, hey, is there, you know, is any chance that you guys would still be interested in, in doing this? And not only were they still interested, they said, yeah, we've considered how much it would cost, um, you know, and they gave me a better offer, which I could actually wow. come out and, and do this on. Um, but we'd had more time to develop that relationship and explore what needs and what would be required for me to actually come here. Um, so, yeah, it ended up being um, I was out speaking for a Growing Young uh, conference in March. I went ahead and did my interview with the conference there while I was out here and um, started working uh, just, I would say, less than a month later and worked remotely mostly. And I would fly in, take pictures, you know, do things, collect data and that kind of thing. And I'd fly back home to South Carolina and I would do it all, like manage it remotely. So if you, if you watched the Facebook and Instagram pages for the conference, it was seamless. You know, you couldn't tell mm. where I was, but as the person doing it, I'm, I'm going across the country, like, you know, <laughs> trying to figure out how to do yeah. this. Wow. And then we just officially moved a month ago. So, yeah. Ah, wow. So uh, your relationship with the conference, and this is really interesting to me because as a, as a content creator, mm. um, it's something... And as an employee of the church, like the difference between, I guess, you and, and us is that when you started, you were starting with no strings attached to any organization, yes. as it were. Whereas when we started this, it was just like, well, we're starting this thing as employees, but there's no real expectation on the conference's part that it will actually go anywhere. It's just something that you kind of let interns do just to give them something to do. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, but but it's kind of grown as many of these, and this is becoming a, a, you know, a much bigger thing. There are podcasts and you know YouTube accounts popping up everywhere. And the question of who owns it is, is a big thing. Mm -hmm. I know that that was probably a big consideration for you was, was Oregon Conference yeah. up front with like, we don't want to own Humans of Adventism or like, buy the franchise off you or, or what it might, whatever it might be. What, what yeah. does that look like? Yeah. So I, I actually didn't think there would be a way to work something out for that reason. Humans of Adventism features a lot of people that I feel like, um, you know, I, I, I want them to have the opportunity to voice dissent yes. or um, a different perspective. And obviously that creates problems if it, is run by the thing that you're dissenting against. Um, mm. But the way that they did this, they were very transparent about the process. And it was people that I really, and still uh, do trust because of the way they handled it. Um, basically, they're like, look, you're doing humans of Adventism, you're going to take speaking engagements, you're going to do all of these things and develop this, this thing, that's fine. You own all of that. Right. So we're not going to encroach upon that. We're not going to tell you what to do separately. We would like to contract you to put this idea to work for the conference. So separately, 
you are going to be a person who produces this for us. Um, and it works really well. I, I think, you know, there are benefits to being an employee, but in my position, the freedom to operate um, humans of Adventism separately from them is it's it's a make or break it thing. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have taken this if I had to shut down humans of Adventism. Yeah. Um, and they're not censoring yeah, they're not censoring you in any way. Like they're not saying, well, you can no. you can interview people, just not trans people or gay people or people who say like the church sucks and it really hurt me and I hate it now, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah to the the degree where there there's not even not even a judgmental comment, you know, none of it. There there's nothing so far that's that's making me feel like, you know, I have to choose one or the other or I have to think about, you know, what's what's my conference president going to say about that or um yeah, I I do think it works better in my case in a more liberal area. Mm. Um, because this, the problems that people have tend to be social ones and political ones. Um, yeah, I think you are in a unique area because, you know, you, obviously you're in Oregon, but if you're like in a conference in, and I don't really know the demographics of America, but I can only assume Alabama or, you know, one of those mm. more conservative conferences, it, it just probably wouldn't be possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you, I, I, I never want to compare them too much, um, but you, if you follow the media um, that has come out about humans of Adventism, follow who is talking about it or who is giving me an opportunity to speak and who is not, and look at where I live, there's a marked difference. Mm. Uh, yeah. Mm. So. Uh, interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. These These things are always like, I don't know. Different people have such different responses to, um, I guess, the new kinds of media we're seeing around Adventism, Do you know, with like podcasts and like just yep. the online space and it's creating mm. opportunity for different people to have a different voice um, mm-hmm. to share maybe a different side of the church that you don't normally see. I mean, like that's the thing. In the past, it's always been like your Doug Bachelors and like all that kind of thing. And that's, you know, that's one style but then yeah. we have to say, well, hey, here's a whole lot of new stuff and here's a whole lot of voices that need to be heard in order for us to have a real picture of what we actually look like and what we actually want in this world. Yeah, absolutely. And some people just can't handle that right now. It's kind of sad, <laughs> yeah. you know? It's ironic that, that Doug Batchelor is from is like lives in California, which is like considered liberal. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I just find that really funny. The funny thing is like people don't know necessarily the political views of the person that i'm sharing it unless they expressly say something but if if there's a story about depression for example i've had stories come from very conservative people but we're talking about depression or we're talking about getting promoted at their job or the death of a family member or something like that like people don't really and and the same with like lgbt adventists we have plenty on there that have not mentioned the fact of their sexuality Right. Yeah. Because that's not what the story's about. This is still very much their life and every every bit as much their life as their sexuality, you know, and and I think that's kind of the point or part of the point of what I'm doing is that it becomes harder and harder to label people when you view them as more and more complex. You know, it, we want to be able to shove everybody in a political side or, you know, 
whatever. But the truth is we have so many experiences that overlap and so many things that we can learn from each other if we're able to kind of look past the the main sticking points. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally resonate with that. And it, that, I think that's part of the power of humans of Adventism. Um, it, it's become this, you know, uh, I don't want to say non-judgmental space because that sounds so like SJW and like, <laughs> oh, let's just all just sit around and understand each other. But like, it's so sad that we actually have to because we find that it's so difficult to do that in <laughs> in so many church contexts that we have. Um, your core of humans of Adventism hasn't really changed. Not it may have. I haven't noticed it. You know, like the core is still that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and the photograph and the and the and the story, but obviously there has been a lot of stuff evolving underneath the surface. What's where where are you at with humans of Adventism in terms of where you're at now versus where you're at when we talk to you in October? And what what are you thinking for the future? Yeah, I the, honestly I just had so many ideas, but I was so limited by my situation. Um, I couldn't. Like I, I think I mentioned in a previous episode, I couldn't take more than 10 days off a year. Mm. Uh, so one speaking engagement is going to be probably three days, right? If, if it's on, say, a Friday through Sunday, well, you have to take a day off on Thursday to travel or, you know, Monday to travel or whatever. And quickly, I mean, with Christmas or marriages of, you know, family members or whatever else that comes up during the year, 10 days goes so quickly. And so, you know, I might be able to do one speaking engagement or two in a year, but I, at the point that I'm in now where I'm actually, I don't have specific hours. I don't have specific places I have to be necessarily. Um, as long as the content is showing up online, I can do it from Michigan, Oregon, South Carolina, whatever. Um, and as long as that's consistent, you know, I can, I can take as many speaking engagements as I want. Um, just, I'm, I'm a lot more free. Um, obviously, you know, finances and, and events and that kind of thing will limit that. But I, you know, I have several between now and February out of state and I don't have to worry about you know, losing my job over it or, or any of that, you know? And, and the other thing is I'm developing my skills much more quickly. I'm doing twice as many stories every week. Um, I'm doing two for humans of Adventism, but I'm also doing two for the Oregon conference now. Hmm. Um, so I've, I've developed a lot better in person speaking. I mean, inner interaction and interview skills. Um, just in, I would say the last few months, because I've been forced to actually go and sit with people, you know, and actually, you know, be in a, in a space with them where humans of Adventism, I was sitting in a work truck messaging them, you know, so there's a, there's a little bit different way that I do it here because I'm doing them in person and taking my own pictures. Um, and humans of Adventism was, mm. what can I do from having nothing but my phone to use? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, 
What's that? When when you go and do your talks, mm-hmm. like the, these talks that you go, yeah. What what are you what are you talking about at the moment? Yeah, I would say storytelling is the big the big seller. That's what everybody wants to hear mm-hmm. about. Um, but I also have been invited on a lot of um, just different things where people are trying to figure out how to connect with younger generations. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely a lot stronger in the areas that I've come from where it's like, they don't have a a working system yet. Um, so they need people who can advise like, you know, what is going on? What are we missing? You know, what are some suggestions? And, um, you know, just as a person who takes in so much information from so many people, uh, I tend to get asked to present on that kind of thing, but I would say storytelling is the, is the big thing. And this idea of presenting experiences instead of opinions, um, Mm. there's, there's definitely power in that. And one of the things that I try to promote for a lot of, you know, you know, everywhere that I go is just that sometimes people just need you to create space. Um, they have the ideas, they have the talent, but you need to offer them the option where they don't see it yet. So you're, you're almost like acting as a, not even the, you're like, you're like a bridge, a bridge construction advisor. Absolutely. And you're going and helping advise people how to build bridges between, (laughs) between groups of people using stories as a construction method. Now you're getting into the real humans of Adventism, right? There's there's like oh. the, the humans of Adventism beneath the humans of Adventism. Surface level, it's a story that you read and you're like, oh, that's interesting. And, you know, there are people who probably only see that. But I am I am a community builder. I am heavily involved wherever I am. I get to know people wherever I am and really put in a lot of personal effort into making those connections between people into, you know, sitting and having the long conversations and, and fleshing out ideas that people have. And even, you know, developing, sitting with people who have new ideas and saying, okay, like, you know, do you need any help? Do you, is, do you need any advice? Is there anything that I could, you know, add to this? So, I mean, that, that ends up being, I mean, just there are so many relationships built that way that are fully for humans of Adventism, not just because they like the stories, but because they see a real community being built. Mm. Yeah, I I see mm. I see something in you and what you're doing in a similar way to what um, a lot of uh, public intellectuals are starting to do, like like Jordan Peterson. Um, in that he talks about in his lectures sometimes how like people get drawn to his lectures because they're just so starved for affirmation and not just affirmation necessarily, but like positive, positive encouragement. Like you can do something Mm -hmm. like you can actually live in a, not righteous, but like you can, you can align yourself with something good and you can work hard and you can become more than you are, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that people are just so starved for that, that if somebody gets up on a stage and I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, of relating that to what you're doing, yeah, 
that you know you get up there with humans of adventism and you don't just you know say something nice that people get really amped up about on stage (laughs) but then you get down from stage and people talk to you and you say let's let's work through this let's you know bounce some ideas off 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 me you know let's talk about this then people go oh actually i am somebody who can who can who can do something worthwhile i i'm i'm somebody who 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 matters you know it's not just it's it's not just platitude it's actually real i i think that i i am a stand-in for the audience and this is a weird idea but you know i if you actually just looked at the method that i used to speak or you know even like my slides or whatever they're usually the worst (laughs) they're 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 not great um like you guys asked for a video and i was scrambling like you know how do i do this because i'm not great at it but the thing is that i am very visibly a person that cares about what i'm doing a person that Mm. is is getting to the heart of it even if i don't have the right methodology yet even if i don't have the proper training yet um i am a story that people can relate to like this guy didn't have money i don't have money this guy didn't have a sponsor i don't have a sponsor this person is not well trained i'm not well trained yet look at all of this that's come from it just from being willing to do it you know and and i think that there's power in that so you're trying to set yourself up almost as like a template for somebody else to superimpose their story onto I think I would love to be very good at all of these things. I don't know if I'm trying to set myself up this way as much as I'm just <laughs> explaining what it is. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I don't want to be this way forever. Like I would love to get up there and just have a, a I mean, really dynamic video and, and be able to deliver all my, you know, talk without looking at notes. And, you know, I, I would love that, but that's just not the reality. <laughs> it's, yeah but no i think i think you're stepping into a tension space that the church has failed to address um i think that for a lot of the church's history they've tried to answer questions that nobody's asking you know they're trying to Mm -hmm. you know uh, tell people what they think they should know rather than figuring out where people are at and what people are going through like I think as a pastor, and I have to remind myself of this very often, it's all very well for me to be passionate about whatever it is I'm passionate about, whether it's prophecy or health or whatever. But if I'm focused on eating vegetarian food and my entire congregation is eating, you know, broccoli and carrots, but they're suffering with depression or addiction, then my, 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 my health talk is not going to affect anyone, you know? And so I think it's it's like the oldest storytelling technique in the in the in the book. You're identifying a need. You're identifying a need not just that somebody has out there, but a whole bunch of people have. And you're actually inviting people into a journey where you are addressing that need, not in a I have all the answers way, but let's let's have a dialogue about this. And I think that's I don't know, is that is that what you're trying to do? Is that where you're coming from? Yeah, definitely. I, I just think, you know, I've, I've seen the effects of this um, way back before I started this. When I found Humans of New York, it changed how I looked at people. Um, I started reading these stories and 
when I would read about somebody who looked ridiculous or somebody that I was like, oh, I would definitely disagree with them. And I would read it from their perspective. Now, not only have I thought, huh, that's not how I think, but it's interesting that they think that way. Now, when I see someone similar in my life, I have that same reaction. Like my brain has experienced that already, where now when I see somebody out on the street that I would have gone through this reaction of, oh, I'll disagree with them or, oh, that person looks weird or whatever. I remember that experience of reading about someone else's perspective. And I look at them the same way where I'm like, okay, how are they viewing the world? You know, what, what is going on in their life today? What are they dealing with that I don't know about? Mm. So it's kind of, I know the power of it. And so, you know, I just, I want to take that to other people. Um, I think, I think also, I don't know if this is intentional or subliminal that I do, but I think inverting who's speaking uh has has really attracted people where if you look at the main voices the big powerful voices in adventism you have still old white men Mm. um and when you look at humans of adventism you have a much younger the the majority are younger where you have some Mm. older voices where in in a lot of other Adventism, you know, areas of Adventism, you have mostly older voices and a few younger. Um, you know, so I, I think, I think people are just starved for somewhere where people are speaking to their experience too. And so we end up attracting a lot of the people who don't feel represented, you know. Have you um, ever done a Humans of Adventism post on yourself with your face? Oh uh, yeah, I have. Um, okay, okay. I mean, it was clearly me. There, there have been a couple. Um, okay. When we moved, I actually did one. I think it was a picture of my wife and I with a U-Haul trailer behind our car. Oh, I remember that picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it was right. just kind of the story of what was going on at the time and why we were there driving across the country and you know what had mm. led up to it. Um, but. But for the most part, people who tune into the Facebook page and the Instagram, you know, if they didn't know who you were, they might assume that you're just, you know, just another person in the long line of people that are being interviewed by humans of Adventism, you know, the amorphous sort of faceless thing, which is just a platform for everybody to share their face and their voice. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's getting what do you Yeah. Do you want to get it to a stage where there's sort of like it's there's sort of lots of people involved in making humans of adventism a thing? Yeah, I would. I'm not sure exactly what that looks like. Um I've played yeah, with the idea totally. of like localized chapters. Um Ooh. there's actually an unauthorized humans of adventism India page. Uh, that what? is literally it says HOA mm. India Humans of Adventism India, which I had nothing to do with. We may have That's problems insane. at some point. I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but but whether it takes on kind of our branding or not, um, I would really like to be able to train people to use this format, this storytelling format, because it's something that doesn't take a lot of money. Um, it just takes dedication and time. Yeah, no, definitely. 
I have to ask um, the little cards that you do. Yeah. Asking a question. Where did that come from, man? Because that that's just that's it's a break. It's like a disruption in the matrix. You know, you're used <laughs> to seeing these posts, and then suddenly all these questions. But people are engaging with them. Where where that idea come from? Yeah. So I guess kind of a complicated history with that. Have you ever heard of free intelligent conversation? Uh, free IC. Nope. I've heard of conversations, but intelligent conversation is something foreign to me. <laughs> <It's> a- <laughs> There's a a group called Free Intelligent Conversation, and basically um, they stand out with these white and black signs that just say Free Intelligent Conversation, and they'll send, you know, 25 or 30 people out into the city with these signs, and people just stop and talk with them, and that's the whole deal. Uh Um, But way back, we, we actually collaborated on making a set of conversation, free intelligent conversation slash humans of Adventism cards. Um, we ended up, there was some kind of uh, discrepancy there in you know, how we would handle s- sales or it was a legal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ended up not really doing a lot with those, but I loved the idea of these cards. And so we actually made our own set of them and um, we we sell them. So like uh, mm. a bunch of churches here in Oregon have them. But what I wanted to do was just create another, I guess, you know, we, we give a lot where it's like, here's this information, here's this information, here's this information. But I wanted to create an opportunity for people to uh, give back, you know, like respond or, or put in their input. And so yeah i just took we have 60 different questions i just took a picture of one of every single card that we had and just scheduled it every week just as a a way to break things up and and just i guess kind of pull the community you know like get to know the different ideas that are out there that's insane so you took a picture of every single card all at once (laughs) yep I pull one out, take a picture, pull the next one out, take a picture, pull the next one out. Take... There, there's no photoshopping in that. It's okay. just that is crazy. 60. I legit thought it was just one picture. Yeah, and you just kept photoshopping the words on. That blows my mind. Because if, the... if you go back and see the position of my thumb, you'll know it's not. Yeah. <laughs> what? Because that the background is like mind. the same. I'm checking. The background's like the same every time, and I was like, Yeah. What did he? How did he? How did he do this? I don't. How did he do this? I don't know. Just an actual picture of the card. <laughs> this is—it's definitely the most boring and uh, probably a little bit time-consuming of the explanations that I came up with in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Mm. Oh gosh. Um, I want to ask you something else. Uh, mm. It was was it late last year? Was it this year that you spoke at SAC? Uh, so that would have been the same month that I recorded with you guys the first time oh. in October. Yeah. Okay. Um. So you, obviously, you're doing more and more speaking engagements around um, the US. Yep. Uh, and I'm sure you have a growing awareness of all the different digital movements that are happening uh, worldwide. Mm-hmm. What, what are your reflections on that as sort of a... Um, a sort of a practitioner in that space, you know, yeah. a lot of the time we go to these conferences as, you know, let's go and learn something, but you're actually going to a lot of these conferences now not just to learn, but also to um, contribute. So w- what are you thinking around around these movements? 
Yeah, it's so interesting. Someday we'll have a name for what's happened in the past year or two, but there's definitely been like this boom of like independent Adventist media, right? Where yeah. it's not, we've had independent Adventist media before, but unless it was Spectrum, it was usually hyper-conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now what we're seeing is, you know, tons of podcasts, tons of different, you know, things like I'm doing social media things. Um, I've seen social media influencers that are Adventist pop up, um, just different stuff. And it's definitely a whole community, right? Like it's this separate side of Adventism. That's almost like if you went to a local church, you wouldn't even really know it existed by just Mm. attending, but it's, it's out there. And for people who, you know, are on social media or are online regularly, I would say they're more likely to know about Adventism starting with this community. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's changing things. I think the sad thing is that I've, I've gone to a lot of local churches and just brought up different things and they had no idea that all of this was happening, you know, just no idea. And Mm. to some degree, a lot of my local church, uh, back in Orangeburg, didn't really know what I was doing either. Uh, you know, <laughs> That's so like, weird. Caleb's doing that internet thing. Good job. I hear it's great. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but it's it's shaping us at, for sure. And really, you know, in the next, I think, decade or two, this is going to be the groundwork for our culture. Um, it's, it's not mm. going to be primarily driven by the same things that it was when we were growing up. Um, it can't be, you know, you know what I think is, you know, what I think is hilarious is that for the last, ever since I became a teenager, well, no, ever since the advent of social media, mm. our church has been crying out saying, we need people to be more engaged with this internet thing, the social media thing, you know, we need, you know, better social media accounts for our churches we need better digital evangelism and like nothing it's it's almost like it's not that nothing has happened like i think you know justin Koo started his his vlogs and then you started you know humans of adventism and then we've had pockets you know ryan started um absurdity and matt lucio started adventist history podcast all the way back whenever it was like like ages ago 2009 or whatever and then you've had like these pockets of people doing these things in their own corner. And then suddenly it's like this explosion has happened out of nowhere. And I think the church, as you said, is like blissfully unaware of a lot of it, or at least the extent of it right now. But you just have to go to, I don't know what SAC is like, but you, you know, we're involved in digital discipleship conference here in uh, the South Pacific. And, it is like a totally different church. Yeah. Like it's 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 Adventism, and we don't shy away from the fact that it's Adventist. But the the tone is is shifting, yeah. and it feels it feels really cool to be a part of that. But it also feels like there's there's gonna be there's gonna be a a tipping point. There's gonna be a tension point where the church is gonna wake up to what's happening, and either they're gonna embrace it. And be like, yeah, we're going to pour, you know, everything into this, or there's going to be some sort of, I don't know. I'm not going to say like conflict, but there's going to be something. 
I'm I'm not too worried about that. The thing is that when you're dealing with influence and to some degree, every media, it relies on influence, right? Like every, every form of media relies on an audience. It relies on people who want to, to consume the media. Um, And I would say that the church is kind of, its hands are kind of tied by influence. Um, We see this in another direction based on uh, how our, our, elders tithe, right? There are Mm. people who are afraid to present certain things or ideas because of what their tithe base will do about that. Well, very quickly, that's not going to be the same as it has been. And when you have, I mean, a bunch of your Adventist congregation involved in this kind of media for years, built up bigger audiences and things, you, you see people actually being involved and engaged and growing because of them. I'm not worried that they're going to have a mass shutdown because all that would do is just make a bunch of influential people leave and take their audiences with them. You know, Mm. probably, I don't know. Um, But, you know, they, I just, the sad part of the organization is that it's also sort of a business and their yeah. hands are tied by the business aspects. That's why ministries that are great ideas don't get funding. That's why, you know, things like things are done certain ways when it may not be the most efficient. Um, mm. And I think, you know, bottom line, we have to do what we're called to do. And mm. whether the, the institution or whoever's in charge likes that or not or no matter what they do like you have to follow god's calling uh caleb i'd love to know um what um what what sort of like what are some of the fruits that you've seen from humans of adventism like what are some of the things that you've seen happen or maybe things that people have sent you like i don't know if you could think of like any specific examples of like somebody who it's really helped them in their journey um yeah yeah what sort of what sort of things have you seen happen i would say very commonly i hear i have not felt safe to share this until now um i think that's the big one for me um we just i just interviewed a pastor someone that i i was relatively new friends with but great guy really appreciated him very well respected here and he opened up about um, his, he, he was into, you know, had a a drug problem an abusive past, but he was in an area where people would have debt, like drug debt, and they would just, one day they'd be gone. Like people around him were getting killed. Um, and so, yeah, so he came from this very dark place. And one thing that he said in the interview is like, I've held on to this. I've been a pastor for 26 years. And I have not felt safe sharing it until now. Like just in in the recent past, like people have started opening up about their lives. And like, now I feel like I can too. Um, so, wow. so that's the big one. I would say equally or almost equally impactful for me are uh, the, the messages that I get uh, and the feedback that I get from people who aren't Adventist. Um, I get a lot of people mm. who who messaged me saying like, you are giving me hope for religious people. Like mm-hmm. while I don't share 
your religious views, I just feel reassured that there are people out there that are real people that are willing to talk honestly, that are willing to help share these stories that are willing to, you know, you, you seem like you're about something else. Um, mm. And, and in my context, that's a very positive thing. Where, it's not just that you're against something as some yeah, Christians are. Yeah. You're for something and, and not just that, but you are healing somehow you are part of um, support and, and, and healing in, in your area. And, um, I think one of the, I shared a message here recently at one of the things, and I think the way that, that she put it was, um, if I believed in God, God would look like that. Hmm. Um, Whoa. yeah. And, and she said, you know, just the approach that, that she sees through humans of Adventism has never been intimidating. It's never been judgmental. Um, it's been, you know, about if she was a religious person, it would be this kind that's a great compliment to get mm. yeah yeah it just it really meant a lot to me so that and just the conversations that i see coming out of it um you know I've, i'm i'm developing this idea in my head of what it means to create space like to give somebody the, an alternative option and i see that coming out in all kinds of cool ways out of our stories i've seen um, one of the stories dealt with uh, church abuse, so abuse from, you know, a pastor or a church leader. And I actually saw in the comments section, the audience or the readers develop a support group for people who had been abused in the church. So wow. one person is like, hey, yeah. I, I also dealt with this. Please contact me. Somebody underneath them and said, hey, so did I. Can we talk? And somebody under that is like, hey, let's start a group about this so we can, you know, support each other because I've never met somebody that I could talk to about this. So in real time, I can That's see so cool. things happen. It's not just entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's a big thing. It's you're, you're adding value. You're engaging. Oh yeah. And it, it makes me think, man, I just, I wish that there were more churches out there like this who, you know, people would walk through and they would be like, you know what? I don't believe everything here, but if I did believe the sort of God that you speak of, that's that's the God that I would want to believe in. I think that if we were able to do this with our local churches, I think that it could actually change a lot of people because what you have is people who come to church to share theory and to argue, mm. but they have not been given a space to talk about their lived experience. So a lot mm. of your a lot of your angry judgmental people, they have pain that they're sitting on top of. They have bitterness that they're sitting on top of. They have these experiences that they're not allowed to share, that they feel like are maybe wrong to share, and they're outsourcing that and projecting it into a lot of unhealthy things. And and so it's like even the places that we just would never want to go to church. I think giving people the opportunity and permission to talk about their lives could actually over time develop them into something better. Hmm. Yeah. Well, wow. yeah. Ah, that's so good. All right. Well, look, um, Caleb, that's, I think all the time we have for today. Um, just tell people where they can find you. 
yeah if uh if you want to follow humans of adventism just search humans of adventism on facebook or on instagram at humans of adventism or you can visit our website uh which is updated much more slowly at adventisthumans.com uh, if you'd like to follow some of the newer work that i'm doing with the oregon conference just search oregon conference of seventh day adventists or on instagram at oregon adventist and there you have it that was our conversation with caleb um, we just love Caleb. Uh, I don't know if you could tell in the interview, but it's just such a joy to be able to talk to somebody like him who's on the cutting edge of what our church is doing, embracing social media, embracing stories, and really causing a lot of social and theological change in the church. And I wish that we could have spent a little bit more time talking about the far-reaching impact that uh, things like Humans of Adventism, podcasting, YouTubing, uh, so, uh, in- Instagramming, and other the social media based ministries are having on the church but it's really it's it's impossible to tell where it's going to go and all i can say as a you know a part of it is i'm excited i'm excited for the future there's been such a long period in our church where we've wanted to embrace new technology but it seems like for the very first time we actually are in a real way and I'm so privileged to be a part of that. I know Josh is too. And it's a privilege to be able to have conversations with people like Caleb who are spearheading this movement. So I hope you really enjoyed it once again. Um, we are back for a fresh episode next week. Um, we're excited for that as well. Uh, in the meantime, if you would like to engage with Burn the Haystack a bit more, just go to burnthehaystack.org. That's our website. You'll find all the links to our social media accounts there. Um, you'll be able to find all the links to listen to the podcast on your favorite podcatching app of choice. And hey, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, why don't you? It's free and that's a great price. Um, and also, if you have been listening for a while and subscribed for a while and you haven't left a review yet, we'd really appreciate it if you did. Leaving reviews on your favorite podcatching app, is, but especially iTunes, is one of the best ways that Burn the Haystack can get out there, can get higher on the charts, can get more notice uh, and more reach. So uh, if you want to support the, the, the podcast that way, we would love you forever if you did. All right, that's it. See you guys next week. That is Jesse and Josh from afar. Out. Thank you.